You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. All right, as I told you, I wanted you to hear the interview that uh, Danny and I did with Jim Hickey on opening day. I don't think this is timely in a way that uh, you'll uh, hear any audio that is no longer valuable to you. But uh, bigger picture, we just kind of talked about the young arms, how he felt coming out of spring training going into the first week of the season and and what some of the roles in the pen could look like. So this is the pitching coach of the Nationals, Jim Hickey. Feeling really good about the group that we've assembled, actually. You know, we talk about the process all the time, and they couldn't have done better at working the process all throughout spring training. They all threw strikes. They all worked ahead. They all worked quickly. And, of course, now with the uh, uh, pitch clock, that's something that everybody's going to have to do. But I couldn't be happier with where we're at as a whole. How have guys taken to that? That pitch clock is going to be different than everybody grew up playing with, right? And how does that affect guys and their preparation and maybe in-game? It's definitely different, but I said from the, the beginning that it was probably going to affect the hitters more than it was the pitchers, and I think that has been the case. We've only had a couple of pitchers who uh, were affected by it. We only had a couple of violations, and actually uh, four or five of the violations belong to one guy. <laughs> you know, So <laughs> it really hasn't been a problem uh, overall. I, I think there might be a little bit more of an adjustment as we start these real games, but I, I again think it's going to probably have more uh, an effect on the hitters than it is the pitchers. Was that something you've been? You mentioned this is your 18th big league opening day. You've been a pitching coach, many successful organizations for years. From a coaching standpoint, did you have to like go over the material first and then present it to them as it pertained to the pitch clock? Did you change anything in terms of how you instruct pitch to pitch? No, not really. The only thing that we did in terms of the pitch clock was uh, we got our own little shot clocks out early in spring training. And, you know, as we threw bullpens and things, we made guys aware of it. And we knew who worked slow. You know, for instance, Kyle Finnegan worked extremely slow and just told him, uh, you know, over the wintertime that this is something that you're going to have to address. And it really has not been that big of an adjustment. So it's a great mention to young pitching staff, right? I'm just thinking Josiah Gray specifically here for a moment. Cutter this spring, brand new toy. How do you say, hey man, you're in the big list because that fastball, curveball, slider, but here's your new weapon, so you don't over end up falling in love with it too much and relying on it? Like, how do you balance that kind of a thing as these guys are developing? Well, it's a good question. Uh, you know, most of his misses with his fastball, not most of his misses, virtually all of his misses with his fastball were those arm side runners, uh, uh, you know, so and, and a lot of them were non-competitive pitches. And that's really what we tried to eliminate was just simply these balls out of hand type of pitches. And so the cutter is helping them do that. Uh, and it's actually been a pretty effective pitch overall. And I think it's gotten him into the strike zone with his other stuff as well. So uh, I'm, I'm not a huge uh, proponent of 
you know, trying to fix something by, you know, adding something else, if you will. I would rather fix that big arm side run. Um, but if a cutter is, is a way around that, I'm all for it, and he's done well with it. Jim Hickey's the pitching coach of the Nationals with us here on opening day on the field during batting practice. Mackenzie Gore was at one point one of the top five prospects in all of baseball. Real cool for you guys to bring him to the organization in the Soto deal. What did you see from him this offseason? We've still never seen him pitch in this ballpark in a Nats uniform other than the exhibition game because of the shutdown last year. No, we, we saw him in a couple of bullpens, though, as he was you know getting ready for his uh, rehab uh, process. Uh, the first thing that I noticed with him is the way the ball jumps out of his hand. You know, it's it's we have the ability to measure all of this stuff now. But if we if it was 20 years ago and, and you didn't have all of this, um, you know, data per se, you know, you would just say, man, that ball jumps. It really has life through the strike zone. And then the secondary stuff, uh, both the slider and the curveball, really have bite. So really athletic kid. The ball comes out of his lo- his hand live. Uh, it jumps at home plate. Uh, it really gets on you. So uh, he's really got some good stuff. And, you know, he's done a great job of uh, just pitching also, you know, not just getting up there and firing away and, and, you know, hoping for the best. He's done a really nice job of putting it together and mixing, matching, and, and, and changing speeds. Coach, with the young guys on this staff, development's at a premium to, to be able to compete not only this year but years in the future. How do you balance that maybe against results kind of in the immediate moment, right? Keep them focused on the process. Yeah, it is. It is tough because we want to win. Obviously, we want to win as many ball games as we can, uh, and there is certainly development going on here, especially with those younger guys. But I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, it's just all about the process. Um, you know, we're not going to uh, be happy if we follow the process and get our brains kicked in ten times in a row. You know, there's definitely some performance in there as well. But I really do believe that if they just stick to uh, what it is that their game plan is, their particular game plan is, uh, that we'll have a lot more success than not. Do you guys have kind of what you vision as an A versus a B bullpen? Are there defined roles? Can you kind of walk us through what you're expecting? A lot of new faces there. Well, the answer to the question is yes, we do. I mean, every team does. You know, based on last year, I mean, if we have a lead today later in the ball game, you're going to see either Erasmo Ramirez or C.J. Edwards or Finnegan or Hunter. And if we're in a deficit, you know, in the fifth inning, you're probably going to see, you know, the Hobie Hunters and the uh, – you know the, the, the uh, I'm drawing a blank right now um, on, on on the name, but uh, absolutely. But these things can change in a heartbeat. You know, Erasmo Ramirez and C.J. Edwards weren't even in, in the major leagues last year at this time. They were non-roster invitees to the major league camp, and they were in the minor leagues, and they turned out to be two of our best pitchers. So. Uh, Definitely we have a, an A bullpen and a B bullpen, if you will, but that could change in the in a matter of days. When do you know in your heart it's time for a visit? Maybe this year you're letting the guy struggle a little bit more, let him sink or swim a little bit more, or like when when did you, did you just feel it in your gut? Is it when Davey whispers to you? What is it? Yeah, it's hard to answer. You know, sometimes you absolutely positively know uh, and it's time to go. You know, you have no qualms about it. Sometimes you're a little bit uneasy about it. Uh, sometimes when the manager says, go see him, you go, oh, gosh, you know, I don't, I'm not even sure why I'm going out here. So I'm making up something on the fly. Um, but there's, you know, it's, it's all different with everybody. And, you know, sometimes there's just little ticks with a, a certain guy where, you know, even though it's just ball one, you know, maybe he just threw a, a seven pitch at bat to the guy before. And now he throws ball one. He misses arm side high. Joe Gray's a good example. Uh, you, you know, you know when it's time to go, but not always, you know, not always. 
do you ever go out there and say nothing about baseball? Like, do you ever oh, walk absolutely. out? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, no, like a nice gift. Uh, <laughs> no question about it. Yeah, just like the Bull Durham scene, absolutely positively. Or I'll tell them something like it's a national TV game and my mom's watching, so I, you know, I just needed to get out here and make an appearance. So, all right, I'll see you later. <laughs> Enjoy opening day. Thanks, right, Jim. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And while we are giving you some of our audio from our opening day coverage of the team on our uh, D.C. station, 106.7 The Fan, we also found Barry Sverluga, who I think is as good a baseball writer as there is in the nation's capital. And we talked about the year ahead and some bigger picture stuff, uh, the sale or lack thereof with the learners, what that means for the fan base, trying to grow the fan base in a year right now where... The winds are going to be at a premium, you know, coming off of, as I said, just 10,000 people in the ballpark for the first weekday night game of the season that was an opening day. Here's what Barry had to say about the 2023 season. You know, opening day is like, whatever, Christmas, you're unwrapping this package. Like, there are some packages here that you want to unwrap. Like, you want to unwrap the shortstop, um, C.J. Abrams. Over the weekend, you want to see... Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore pitch. Um, you want to see if Kebert Ruiz, Kebert Ruiz takes a step forward and and is like, okay, I'm the backbone of this organization because I'm the one who's already signed. So I, is, are they going to lose 100 games? Yeah, they're going to lose 100 games. There's an interesting way to lose 100 games, a promising way to lose 100 games that wasn't last summer. It could be this summer. Very tough to quantify this, but I, I think I've felt it, and I want to ask you if you have as well. I feel like this fan base is handling this rebuild pretty well, it, despite being kind of a new thing. I, I, I've heard both sides of it. Like, I have friends who are dive back into, like, I want to know who James Wood is and how is Elijah Green playing and is Jackson Rutledge starting at AA, like all that minutia that, that they want to be in on the ground floor. And I've also heard people like, how are they charging major league ticket prices for um, a minor league product. I, I think it's a it's a very, very individual choice and sometimes an emotional choice. And it, it does feel like, um, you know, we're going to have those nights, lots of nights, where the first two hitters in the Phillies lineup are Trey Turner and Bryce Harper, and you're like, oh, my God, like that wasn't that long ago, right? So I get all sides of it. I think if you want to enjoy it, you, you, you should embrace, like, Oh, they actually got some players for Juan Soto and, and Max and Trey. Let's see how this works out. Barry Sverluga here on Grant and Danny on opening day. For the moment, there's no sale, right? You guys at the Post, yourself, Chelsea, have been doing a lot of reporting on that. That seems like a letdown. I mean, what should fans think about that? And are they still going to try to sell ultimately? What do you think is going to happen here? So I do think they will try to sell ultimately. I get that during the year. I was always told that, these are better off-season transactions than they are in, in mid-year. The, the problem is, and Mike Rizzo, in talking to the group of reporters beforehand, addressed this, like, he can have certainty about today and about 2023. 
if this is the year that would replicate going from 2010 to 2011 when they made the Jason Worth signing in the offseason that was the kind of like year ahead, we're not good yet, but we're in position to get good deal that kind of um, surprised the market. Who are you pitching that to? Who Who is signing the checks for that person who you're signing for seven years? And can you even approve that? So I think that it's not really going to affect like whether Brady House develops this year, but it does impact planning for 2024 and beyond. And it's felt to me, Barry, like there's some paralysis isn't totally the right word, but there's some stagnation knowing that $60 million this year of payroll, 70 next year with Corbin and Strasburg, one guy underperforming, one guy maybe never performing again, is maybe too big for anybody to overcome. So you may as well go bare bones until maybe you feel like you're ready to make that worth 2.0. And that's that's the hard part. Like, do they, if you don't spend, and particularly if this group that is trying to get out the door doesn't spend, it will only look like you're being cheap. It just, it just, the right now with this, should they be spending a ton of money to bring in free agents with this roster? No, but there's going to be a point when it's like, okay, it's like, you know, Louis Garcia and C.J. Abrams have now played together in a middle infield. We we the pieces we need pieces around it. Like there's a core here. If if they don't spend when it's time to spend, that's going to feel terrible and alienate more people than they've already alienated. Various for Luga here on Grant and Danny with us on opening day. You've mentioned the young guys, which we can hit on in a second. As far as the, the veterans they went out and got, they didn't have much money to work with, it would appear. But Trevor Williams in the rotation. Jamer Candelario a couple of years ago smacked a bunch of doubles for the, the Tigers. Dom Smith was a, an 11th overall pick at one point. What do you think about what they did? And is there something maybe that, that could turn into a player they could flip at the deadline in, in that pile? Well, I think Smith would be one. You know, a really good defensive first baseman, left-handed bat, like could hit have a little bit of pop. Um, one thing I think that all of those players that you mentioned, like last year in like May, you couldn't turn on the TV and look at these guys without them throwing the baseball all over the It was just junk. It was not professional. It, it, it was a bad team that played bad baseball. I, I do think this could be a team that struggles to score but probably prevents a lot more runs than it did last year, both defensively and if they throw strikes, which they did a really good job at uh, uh, in spring training. So Williams gives, you know, am I more excited to see Josiah Gray and, and Mackenzie Gore start? I am. But does he give you a professional outing more times than not um, and, and allow you uh, to save your bullpen a little bit? Yeah, he probably does. He's not really part of the future, but you've got to have some little stopgap, and he would be one of them. What do you expect from Joey Manessis this year? Uh, you know, 45, 50 bombs, uh, OPS of one, maybe 1,100. No, uh, you know, if he's if he is like, what would be a good slash line for him? Like 280, 350, you know, 450, something like that. Like, like they knew because he has hit everywhere at every level that he was not going to be overwhelmed by the moment. He's not going to hit 400. He's not going to homer, you know, once every two two nights. But you feel like you're going to get a professional at bat from him. Maybe you know, maybe he's a 30, 35 double guy. Um, but it's a fun. That's if you're going to take the optimistic view of this re rebuild. That was the most fun thing about last summer. It wasn't even the kids. It was like, oh my god, this guy who finally got a chance, and now he's taking it to the stage of the uh, WBC too. Like that's fun. Like root for Joey Manessis. You could have a fun time doing that. I want to sneak one in on the poll you guys had that you published this week. We had Rick Mace on the show yesterday. The Nats had more growth, I think, based on the timeline more than anything else, but 10 to 23, that was before they started making the playoffs. 
doubled in terms of how many people in this town said that they're a fan of the Nats. How does the Commander's sale and, and just the, the landscape of this city, like when you see some of those numbers, factor into where we're headed for this fan base and this organization in the future? Well, I mean, I think, you know, if you took a poll on the day before Snyder sells the team and the day after, I mean, what is it, triple, yeah. quadruple, whatever. Like, it's it's that, that is a – I mean, I, I have said, and I, I think it's arguable, if he sells the team – what are the biggest things in, that has happened in sports in this town in this century? They are the Caps winning the Cup, the Nats winning the World Series in, in 19. Um, you could throw a Maryland in there. Baseball returning in 05. You could argue that Dan Snyder selling the Commanders is the biggest sports story in this town this century, which would trump two championships in major in major sports. I, I, I mean, it's a great debate. Maybe not everybody would agree with it, but it's in the conversation, right? Nothing can make you feel more different about that franchise if, if the one thing that has held it back is suddenly gone. That would be ridiculously amazing. Enjoy the season and thanks for the time. Thanks guys. I appreciate you having me. So there you go. That's Bustin' Loose Baseball week one of the season almost in the books here as we close in on the end of series number two with the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll be back at it next week. We'll have a conversation on some of the rule changes in baseball including the stolen base uh, up with the pickover attempts having been limited. I want to get deeper into that and also look at uh, batting averages on balls in play with the shift being taken out of the game. We'll also get into start number two for Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore and uh, the Kbert Ruiz, Luis Garcia tracker as we keep our eye on all of the young big leaguers. We'll also have your first full minor league report. The AAA season is underway already. Uh, Jake Irvin, who I mentioned earlier, the Arm, who a lot of Nationals brass are high on, a right-hander who's big, 6'6", and about 230 pounds, made his first start and threw four and a third innings, uh, had four strikeouts uh, in his first outing of the season, left with an ERA just a hair over two. A good start for him at the AAA level. But we'll get you a full minor league notebook next time on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy Nats baseball until we talk again.